2: You're listening to the Irish Times Inside Politics podcast. It's Wednesday, September the 28th, and you're very welcome to the Weekly Politics Podcast from the Irish Times. I'm Hugh Linehan. With me in studio today, John O'Sullivan, the Labour TD for Limerick City, and party spokesman on a range of issues around the environment in particular, our political correspondent Harry McGee, and our deputy political editor Pat Leahy. You're all very welcome. Um, the Doyle resumed today after its lengthy summer recess. The parties are girding their lines for the upcoming budget, which will be revealed to an expectant public by Minister for Finance Michael Noonan. However, there's not going to be much to reveal by the time Michael Noonan and stands up on the doll, pad.
0: No, um, there was details in our own paper and in others uh, this morning about uh, a briefing that Michael Noonan gave to his cabinet colleagues yesterday. And uh, Now, the structure of the budget, uh, nowadays, is not all uh, Michael Noonan's. Uh, uh, it's, it's not all, all under his purview. He will do the taxation and uh, the macroeconomic strategy, while Pascal Donahue will do the public expenditure side well, of things. But which Mike, is two
2: thirds of things. So I suppose Pascal who arguably has the bigger job. Uh, yes, you could argue that. He certainly has
0: the more difficult job, I think, um, in terms of meeting the demands of his cabinet colleagues and of interest groups and fitting them into the space the fiscal space for manoeuvre that he has and of course they won't fit into it Um, two weeks ago he told his cabinet colleagues that their the aggregate of their current demands was running at 3 billion euros when he has a Discretionary spend, I suppose, on budget day of a bit over six hundred uh, million euros. The total budget package the fiscal council estimates will be in the region of two point four billion. But much of that has already been allocated in terms of I think nine hundred million or so required for demographic pressures and for um, the Lansdowne Road agreement and various other commitments that have been uh, uh, that have been already made by the government. So the amount that is announced on budget day uh, by the two ministers will be about a billion euros and Michael Noonan will have north of 300 million, I suspect it may go to 400 million, um, of tax cuts to announce on the day. And that is um, what that brings us back to this morning's newspaper stories, which were revealing some of the details of what he told his colleagues yesterday was not his hard and fast decisions, but... Rather, the direction of his thinking.
2: And there seems to be a sort of a merry dance going on here, particularly between Fianna Fáil and and the government, Jan. I, I was just before we came in, I was looking at a tweet from Michael McGrath, who was tweeting a very aggrieved tones about the the amount of leaks which are coming out of government basically has you know what's happened to cabinet confidentiality which is always interesting to hear from Fianna Fáil Um, and is there a sort of somebody's trying to get first mover advantage over each other here there's a suggestion that the government is trying to get this news out so it's seen as they own these announcements as opposed to Fianna Fáil saying that they own them
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment. Um, Fianna Fáil are obviously in a position where they're a leg in government and a leg out of government. And, um, for example, uh, my constituency colleague, Willie O'Dea, came out and said, you know, there should be an extra fiver on the pension. Uh, And that was clearly designed to um, to give Fianna Fáil some kind of claim on whatever might happen in that area. Um, And, you know, it's a game they're playing, in effect, uh, looking for credit for what, is done or will be done in the budget and uh, at the same time they're not in government so um, they don't want to they won't be, as they see it anyway uh, responsible for whatever isn't done and um, you know I think people need to recognise that, that that's actually what they're at um, I mean it, it somewhat mirrors um, what they've been doing in relation to water as well where um, where they're you know trying to get onto the populist side of, of arguments and um I mean, I suppose you could say that in some ways uh, it's working fairly well for them at the moment. But uh, at the same time, I I think we do need straight talking around what we should do in terms of whatever money is available. And I certainly would like to see um, more focus on uh, public expenditure and um, I'd like to see Pascal who actually, you know, getting uh, a, a good amount of money uh, because we need it. I mean, I raised yesterday in the Dáil the issue of childcare. We are, uh, we're spending, uh, no matter, uh, well, depending on how you measure it, 0.1 or 0.2% of GDP on childcare, which puts us way down, um, about a quarter of the OECD average. Um, we urgently need to, uh, you know, invest in, in that particular area um, because uh um People are really struggling and putting off having children in many cases because they can't afford both the mortgage and the childcare. And uh, I, I think that's an, an issue that really needs a step up in public spending. I want to there come back to about what what,
2: what what Labour's positions might be in some of these issues. But Harry, actually, the the, the, the issue of childcare, as John mentions, there has been floating around a little bit uh, in the newspapers this morning, that about Catherine Zappone's, uh proposals to introduce um, a form of direct payment for um, for childcare for families for parents of, of young children. And some dissension, perhaps, within the ranks of Fine Gael about the method which he's proposing.
3: Yeah, I mean, it it revolves really around the th- thresholds. The gist of her proposal, in its initial stages, is that the package will be available to low to lower income families and their families with a combined income of forty seven thousand euro or less. So the minute that kind of um, leaked out, uh, alarm bells were held were heard. Uh, all over uh, Finnegrail headquarters in Mount Street, as nervous uh, Finnegrail TDs started uh, whinging about the squeezed middle. And the squeezed middle uh, is one of those definitions that's as long as a piece of string because it's anybody uh, or a- any family with anybody an income. Anybody who's not entirely comfortable in every part of their life, I
2: suppose. Yeah, with
3: an income between 30,000 and 100,000. in one of our own articles, um, The Squeezed Middle, included those with a combined income of 100,000. So. Um, Fine Gael are very unhappy that they're not going to get anything out of it. Kelly had a story this morning saying that Fine Gael, uh, discussed alternative proposals uh, without the knowledge of uh, Catherine Sapone or any of her uh, advisories and uh, I was talking to, to uh, one of her advisors yesterday who said that this issue uh, will be a live issue right up until Budget Day on the 11th of October. So I think... Um, uh, this um, story has a, a lot to play yet. So, I mean, it's really, I mean, there's a limited amount of money that she has at her disposal. Uh, she's targeting uh, lower-income families. Uh, Fine wants want the, uh, the large S to be spread uh, a little bit more uh, widely uh, across the demographic uh, spectrum. So, it's, it's, um, it's, it's going to be one of the big issues during the budget. Can I just say perhaps something generally uh, about the budget? We're not going to find any radical or tough are uh, a major decision that's not a crowd-pleaser in it because there are so many components, as Pat was pointing out, there are so many authors. Uh, there's Fine Gael, there's the Fianna Fáil input, there's the input from the Independent Alliance, uh, there are um, other uh, considerations that have to be taken in place. Is, and there's a limited pot of money. There's, there's essentially a billion euro in extra spending, uh, all things being equal. So uh, you're not going to see anything that's going to change the system or that's going to give a huge amount of relief uh, to any one sector of the community. So um, I think it's probably going to be the least inspiring. At least radical budget uh, we have seen in a long time, and that's really because of the way in which the Doyle is uh, configured. Uh, so let me it's ask also, sorry, also sorry, go ahead, the, it's like,
2: it's, it's, I it's think
0: Harry is right, but I think it's not just because of the the uh, the way the Doyle is configured and the state of the. Dull numbers. It's because the quantum of resources available to um, the finance minister and the public expenditure is significantly less than last year. I mean, the pa- the budget package last year was one point on, on budget day was one point five billion, which is greater than the package that will be unveiled on on Tuesday week. But what people forget is that was bolstered by supplementary estimates, which was essentially putting money into departments at the end of last year that raised that automatically raised their budgets for this year because any increases on budget day go on top of the department's budget at the end of the year rather than at the start of the year. So the government in which Jan was a minister had a 1.5 billion budget that was really a 3 billion euro budget last year because they bunged an extra 1.5 billion much of went which went into the department of health into spending last year before the election. Now that facility is not available this year both because of the fiscal rules but because of the uh, the cash simply isn't available. And I
2: suppose the question for you John, is that given that we have two large centre or centre right depending on how you choose to characterise them parties supported by a number of independents who are also centre or centre right depending how you view to characterise them you're there on the opposition benches now um, we had um, Mary Lou MacDonald from Sinn Féin in last week and Jim McCallaghan from Fianna Fáil both vying to be seen as different forms of opposition Um, a a massively shrunken Labour parliamentary party, how do you differentiate yourself from the larger Sinn Féin Party and the other voices on the left there in the House? And how do you how do you actually make Labour a a viable opposition in this situation?
1: Well, I mean I I, just to go back first of all to to the points that were just made around you know, there'll be there'll be little Changing in this budget. I mean, I mm. think that, that that really is a problem because you know we've had we at the beginning of our time in government we had three really tough budgets where you had to cut. Then we did begin to, to get some spending going, and Pat is right. Last year we got a bit more, but that was you know there was a huge pent up need in areas like education, for example, where we needed to catch up in terms of school buildings and so on. Um, but now you know we do have the opportunity now to decide what kind of an Ireland are we building now that we uh, we dealt with the. Economic economic crash. People are still hurting in so many ways. There is a need to put money into public expenditure. I think it's right that quite a lot of money is going to go into housing, obviously, because that's a huge issue and, and, and a huge need. But but we do need to be defining what kind of country we want. So while I know we can't do a whole lot in one budget, we need a sense of direction. We need to see, you know, what is government uh, going to do about, as I said, childcare, but about areas like um, funding education as well? Around, you know, what, how, are we going to build up our social services so that we have a country that has But well, doesn't good that then effectively services? mean more
2: revenue raising? Or at the very least, at the very start, it means not not having three hundred and thirty million or whatever it is of, of tax reductions. Well, the it week means after
1: next. Uh, you know it, it does mean, I mean that what do whatever say? target, it, it, it whatever tax reductions money. are are targeted at the people who are, are most under pressure, and um, you know I, I certainly. If, from my party's perspective that's what we want uh, but it, it does mean targeting but I think we also need some sense of vision coming from government at the moment it seems to be you know limping around making sure that, that all the various components are, are not upset uh, and pushing away anything that involves decision making. And a whole lot of things have been pushed down the road in terms of, you know, what are we going to do? I mean, the higher, third level education is, is just one of them, but there are a number of others um, that have been water is another one, obviously, that, but if that no but decisions but are going but to be but made. Take the
2: first one you mentioned there. Take yeah. third level education. The recommendation, as I understand it, is that third level education, in order to retrieve just the lost ground of the last few years, requires investment to somewhere between mm. an, an additional 100 to 150 million per year. I mean, that's. It's going to take a sizable chunk out of the money available to the government over the next few years alone before you add all the other things, some of which have already been mentioned. Yeah,
1: but I, I suppose the point I'm making is that, uh, again, what the government says is we'll put it into a committee. We'll try, we'll try and get all party consensus. So, in effect, that is a recipe for saying we won't make any decisions, uh, you know, within the next year anyway. Mm. Uh, and we've, we've, we're seeing that about so many issues. And I don't think as a country we can actually afford to just tread water stand still and make no decisions about important issues.
3: Uh, Stephen Collins oh, oh, um, quotes uh, a very famous lot. I can't remember who uttered it, but he said, reform is about taking uh, a dog, taking a bone rather from a dog, you know, and to do that, there'll always be huge uh, public resistance. And we're not going to see any tough decisions taken by this government that aren't populist or that aren't uh, crowd pleasers. And one of the things that actually, Jerry Howland in The Examiner wrote a very good column this morning talking about the way in which the tax base has been reduced uh, over the past uh, couple of years, so that, um, for example, the USC threshold, which was €4,000, has been increased to €13,000. And effectively, uh, 700,000 people pay no tax at all and 800,000 people pay no uh, USE. And the argument he was making is he said they shouldn't be taxed disproportionately, but his argument is that everybody should be asked to make a contribution. And he made the, the same argument in relation to, uh, albeit a small contribution, we're not saying that, that those on the lowest income pay 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 the most tax, but it's it's, it's, it's a strong argument. The, the second point he was making was in relation to water charges, which is another effort to, to broaden uh, the tax base. And um, uh, he 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 is saying that that Fianna Fáil uh, went for the for the populist card and lacked uh, any sense of moral conviction and essentially has retreated on what it promised in in the manifesto. And that's quite evident when you look back at its at manifesto, what it said back in February and what what it's saying now. So with such kind of um, populist and kind of cynical ploys afoot, it's going to be very, very difficult to kind of square all kinds of circle in terms of framing a budget that's fair and that kind of, as Jan says, fills the, the deficit in terms of services that Patrick have been lacking.
0: Well, I, I'm... I, I'm smiling at the notion of framing a budget that is is fair. and go back to the point that Jan was making about we need to you know define the sort of Ireland that we're building. And, of course, what everybody says is we want a fairer Ireland. and everybody says that because it means different things to uh, it, it, it means different things to uh, to everybody. and it sounds um, nice. Uh, and, and and it sounds well, it nice but actually well, it has to mean it well it means but it means different things it does to some people it means to Jerry Howland as, as Harry quotes in the Examiner this morning it means you know that everybody even in, uh, people on low incomes should contribute something uh, to the running of the state through taxation Michael Noonan used to say this in the early years of the last government he used to say that it was a good thing that people that everybody contributed even if it was only a euro a week that everybody should contribute something and then he took a whole load of them out of the tax net. So to some people actually increasing the taxation burden however minimally on people on lower incomes uh, is fair. For other people you ask people on the other side of the doll and they will say, you know, that uh, it is fair that people on incomes of over 100,000 should have a super levy uh, on on their incomes. That is self-evidently fair. So, you know, I think Talking about a fair budget actually doesn't really, doesn't really bring that. What we need to a, discuss is okay, the individual debt. That's, that's
2: a classic political divide. But before we discuss the, the individual, because you know the big picture issues are, are important as well. You know, the government, the, the country fell off a cliff because of mismanagement and bad governance at the end at the end of the last decade, and it was forced kicking and screaming into introducing certain measures by external forces, which included a broadening of the tax base to include more people who were who, who were in paid employment, which included a property tax and which included a water charge. And the entire political establishment, as soon as it has been given the opportunity, has resiled and receded and run away from all those things, which were generally it, broadly accepted as being that? a good thing. Why does it do because that? Because the people want
0: it. Because they're really unpopular.
1: Well, mm. you talk about the political establishment. I mean, if, if you take water, for example, um, we're not running away from it. I mean, we are saying that there should be uh, a basic... Uh, There should be a basic allowance, first of all, for households. But on top of that, anybody who wastes water should pay for water. And that's what we submitted uh, in relation to the recent consultation. Um, And, you know, I I, I mean, that is a classic left wing position. What about property uh, taxes and the the freeze on increases in property tax over the next
2: five years? That was was introduced under the last government. It
1: was. Um, But uh, again, I mean, that was at a time when there was a huge amount of pressure on people, you know, I mean, incomes were, were cut on in, in all kinds of ways. But in relation to the water, if, if I can go back to the water, because... Um you know, as I said, that is a classic left-wing position that you pay for services, but you don't load it all onto income tax. Because, I mean, every party, even those those who, you know, the most left, the AAA, whoever, everybody recognises that we have to pay for water, that we have a very bad water infrastructure, that Dublin is in danger of running out of water in a few years' time. So if you're acknowledging that you have to pay for it, then the only other way you pay for it is through central taxation. So it's on the taxpayer. Uh, so, you know, I, I do think we need to have... Uh, a, a real debate around how you pay for water. Now I know again that's one of the ones that's been kicked down the road, but um, it seems to be that okay, it was a lightning rod for all of the hardship that people were feeling, and there was huge, you know, public um, animosity towards it. But I do think we need to look at you know the reality that um, we have to in some way deal with the issue and. Um, certainly what we would like to see is that there is a basic allowance for household need, but that after that, uh, that anybody who wastes water pays
2: for and it. And I think the Labour Party's position on that is good. There's a bit of kind of energetic finger pointing going on between the two main opposition parties, Harry, at the moment with this Sinn Féin motion on water charges.
3: That's, yeah, that's going to be just uh, a joke, really, because I mean, F- Fianna Fáil have already said that they're going to vote against the Sinn Féin motion and they're claiming that they, by, by agreeing with Fine Gael to this uh, commission, uh, they essentially set in train uh, a process whereby water charges would be effectively abolished. So they, they're basically saying that Sinn Féin is chancing its arm and Sinn Féin are saying that, that Fianna Fáil or Johnny Come Lately's uh, when it comes to the whole issue of water charges. Um, I mean, one, one of the things that I find to be quite interesting in relation to the water charges debate is that a whole cohort of people have been excluded from from the information these, from from the debate. These are people who have been paying water charges uncomplainingly uh, for thirty or forty years. Those who were involved in group water schemes, and they have been metered. Uh, they have been paying hundreds of euros. It's, it's reduced in recent years, but in some instances, at a high point, they're paying three hundred fifty or four hundred euro per household uh, for water charges. It's come down to about one hundred and fifty uh, since then. And these people were excluded from the debate, and it's not a an insignificant minority. We're talking about three or four hundred thousand people, or over one hundred thousand households in the state. May, many of them in rural areas in the Midlands and in Cavan, Monaghan, and Mayo. And um, I, I just find it extraordinary. Uh, that their rights are being excluded from the debate. And Do you I think, think there's re-
2: any going to be a political... No, I, w- water, char-
3: w- water charges? No, there won't be. Water charges are gone. You know, the Commission will report next um, spring uh, if they recommend a path whereby water charges can be introduced eventually. Uh, Fine Gael will back that, but Fianna Fáil have already stated that they're against water charges, and Fine Gael will be left with a Hobson's choice about uh, rejecting the findings of the report, or calling a general election. And Fianna Fáil have calculated that Fine Gael will not have the appetite uh, to fight an election on water charges. They might, actually. Water but that seems. Are- Pretty unpopular,
0: like mm. all like all taxes. So, all so, so what's
2: your analysis of Labour's continuing position in favour of them? Then at, I, see a, been, I, I see it as being
0: I see it as being rewarded uh, by the punters for this uh, brave and principled stance by a rise of one percent in their opinion poll rating at the weekend <laughs> from six
3: to seven percent. So uh, you know, if I was, uh, yeah, would I, mean, I would be Well, they have been consistent, and we we it's, must it's, it's recognise that. I
1: mean, there are, there are a lot of it other is, issues, but there, but, but but there, there is a point, point that there is a point
2: that on the opposition. There are a cohort of TDs who won seats for the first time at the last election, some of them, who occupy seats which might traditionally in many cases be seen as Labour seats and who got there by dint primarily of the water charge protest.
1: Yeah. And look, I mean, that's, that's the reality. And it's one of the things when we did our, our look back at the election, it's one of the things we recognise that, you know, it did us enormous damage. There's no doubt about that. Now, one thing that we do want to see, though, in relation to water is we want a referendum to keep... Um, the infrastructure in public ownership because there's doubt being spread around that, that, that you know, it's being teed up for privatisation. Um, I have absolutely no doubt that in government that was not the intention but you know I think we do need uh, a referendum Is there some that, possibility as is there, is another is there, referendum is there a which maybe we'll talk about I heard
2: your colleague uh, Alan Kelly on the radio yesterday I think it was and he was saying that some of the, the measures which were being proposed now by Fine Gael was evidence of what Labour had always said this is what happens if you let them off the leash and you don't have Labour there minded them in other words there are red and tooth and claw right wing policies coming out now do you see that well, coming from your I mean, former
1: I, colleagues? I think certainly um you know we we were able to do a lot of things in government that uh, that meant that you know you didn 't have a, a totally right wing government uh, and I mean one example of that is how we balanced public expenditure versus uh, tax cuts, which you know we, we we got you know significant change in in, in relation to the original intention. Uh, in in the, that balance. But um, we have published a bill that, that Irish Water should stay in public ownership and uh, we believe that that should be put to the people. But uh, in terms of, I suppose, the, the general position of the party, we um, We do recognise, uh, and that will be slow, as Pat has said. I mean, 1% uh, is is not uh, dramatic, but it won't be dramatic. It'll be slow Um, because, you know, we we do recognise what happened to us in the election. Um, But we have started... What did happen in the election? um, Basically, I, I think people just... Felt a lot of pain. We were in government. Uh, I don't think people remember what was the cause of, of um, the collapse of the economy, which was before we came into government. But we were certainly identified with with a lot of the consequences and and the action that was taken by government. But we are rebuilding. We have uh, so recruited the more Labour than four hundred people was because recently. the people have no, no, terribly no. short memories. No, it's yeah. not. No, that that's very simplistic. You. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, I, look, we do recognise that um, we we got some things wrong. We didn't, uh, I don't think we, we properly explained the battles we had behind the scenes either. Um, and there's no doubt about it, people are still, uh, and many people, while we've had, you know, very positive increases in employment figures, there are still many people who are not able to get work, people who are getting badly paid work. And that this, this is an area that we've worked very hard on both in government and and uh, now as part of, of uh, the work that we're continuing to do in terms of, of it, it wasn't change.
0: just it wasn't just that though it, certainly the unpopularity of the austerity measures was uh, one of the principal engines behind uh, Labour's catastrophic defeat in the general election but I think to that you must and, and the, you know there's a lot of opinion poll evidence uh, for this uh, you must add the factor that. Labour went into government promising people or suggesting to, to, to people that... They could that they could lessen the austerity. That there was a better way of uh, than the Fianna Fail, the previous Fianna Fail green government had um, uh, had sought to correct the public finances. That it instant many things that it would prevent specifically prevent Fianna Gael from doing, which it Regenital turned out it that it yeah, could look, that it couldn't we, do that put our and hands one up of the on one, hands one, on one of the big things that labor suffered on was this perception that the government had broken its promises and that labor specifically had broken its promises that's what people believed about mm. that last government and that perhaps as much as the, uh, the actual effect of the austerity measures themselves was what lay behind Labour's defeat.
1: Yeah, and there were some things, obviously, that we were not able to deliver on, that, that we wanted to deliver on before we went into government. And, um, I mean, all of the things that were delivered, um, you know, OK, I'm not going to say that we didn't get credit for things we did, but the reality is that we worked um, to bring the country back, to give opportunity to people but yes that that was you know that was the view of the public that we broke promises I, I, I there were a though, few things that we didn't achieve I, I suppose you know uh, and that's that's undoubtedly true and you know much of the post morteming has, to has say been that done now face the, quest- the question but the, the question has, but just, might,
0: just on that point be. if if I think if Labour it clings to the belief and, and it is an attractive one for them mm. to do and you can see why they are. If Labour clings to the belief that it was punished because it had to do difficult things in government, that it did the right thing and was and was punished for that and ignores the fact that its its opposition and its electioneering set itself up for a fall before the 2011 election, then they will go on and repeat that mistake at some yeah, stage no, in but the future. I think
1: we have acknowledged that, Pat, uh, and we are now looking to the future, looking to rebuild. And I, I mean, I think people actually are, you know, they are it, they have their own lives to live you know they are under pressure they are looking to see what people uh, are going to do into this in this new phase of of, of Ireland now uh, where we are Big building the country up again, where we can but, aspire but, but to given, have more jobs, more progress. Given that, it, jobs, is, given that progress. it is a very,
2: uh, you know, a very new phase and you have a, a very different doll. And from the point of view of Labour and Labour is rebuilding, you've got a number of, of entities now to uh, to your left, including the Social Democrats, Sinn Féin would claim to be your, to your left, AAA, PBP and a number of independents as well. And maybe Harry as well, more broadly, the fact that, Social democratic parties in the Labour mould are facing all kinds of challenges, not, not not just in Ireland, but you know across Europe. And you even look at the crisis of some of the the crisis of the left in the United States and the Democratic Party, the Bernie Sanders phenomenon. The whole package, you might say, is being challenged and questioned in a way that it hasn't been for a long time.
3: It is, and this is going to be a quandary for Labour: where to position itself over the next year, two years, how, how long the government lasts, and how, how it uh, prepares. Itself and how it presents itself uh, in the run up uh, to the next election. I'll just make a general observation first, just in relation to it. So general, it, it affects Labour and all smaller uh, parties who go into a coalition. The thing is that the moment it's like a, when you buy a new car, they say when you leave the showroom it's worth three or four thousand euro or less. The moment Labour went through the threshold of government buildings in Marion Square, they'd lost a certain percentage of the support because there'll always be an anti establishment. Uh, element to uh, support a kind of a protest element that we 're seeing quite evidently in British labour at the moment that labour would have attracted that they lost immediately upon going in government for those no compromise is acceptable you know so once once they made any compromise in relation to any issue. Sure, of policy. but that doesn't account for losing three quarters of your vote. No, the three quarters of the vote came, in and Pat explained very mm. well the, 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 the different reasons. You know, the austerity, the presentation before the election, the overpromising. There were, there were lots of components, but that, that that's also a phenomenon. You know, that La- Labour look at nineteen, look at two, look at nineteen ninety two and nineteen ninety seven, where Labour achieved quite a lot in government and got a lot of their policies through and came out after uh, with, with, with a swinging defeat uh, in comparison to the 33 seats that they had won. But just in relation to positioning, I mean, is Labour going to be a social democratic party, another centrist party, or does it have to look and take cognizance of what's happening in Britain and America and elsewhere in Europe and say, well, perhaps we need to take a, a different approach and become more radical? And I, I, I'm not sure, but I know that that, that I was talking to a TD earlier this week about this and I know that that debate is taking place within Labour that there are th- those there are some within Labour who think that they should move you know take a sharp lurch uh, to the left and become an identifiable socialist party once more rather than a social democratic party. Jan, Brendan, uh, Brendan but I, t- I think that Brendan Holland's instincts would be against that. I yeah, think bre- bre- f- Brendan Holland was, was, talking, well, was,
2: was talking last week about uh, describing Labour as a progressive party and uh, I'm not sure, you know, a, a bit like the word fair, progressive can mean a number of different things to a number of different people but to me rightly or wrongly, it sounds to me like a centrist, social democrat, liberal, accentuating one's liberalism on social issues kind
1: of a position. Well, first of all, um, we don't want to be populist. So, I mean, I think of what a lot of people you would call on our left um, are largely populist uh, you know they, that is where they position themselves they're again everything that people don't like and they're for everything that people want um, so we want to be principled now I mean we are having yes there is I suppose there are differing views in the Labour Party I mean I come from uh, the democratic socialist um, wing if you like of the Labour Party um, I see myself as a socialist um, other people would describe themselves as, as social democrats but I think that's the case in in all broadly based Labour parties, uh, and certainly you see it in the British Labour Party at the moment. Um, I think it's something. Though you're right that uh, Social Democracy or socialism, if you want the party Socialiste in, in France, um, is struggling with uh, you know losing popularity, and I think part of that is because we live in a soundbite time where we don't examine in detail you know, what is it that drives us? Why are we in a political party? Why are we in politics? What what do we want to achieve? I mean, I'm somebody who came in purely, you know, out of wanting to to change the world. It sounds wonderful. But I mean, you know, that's how a lot of people join a party like the Labour Party. It's probably how people join, uh, you know, a a sort of a traditional right wing party as well. But there's so much populism now and and so much common ground even between the far left and the far right in some European countries, you know, that um, I think that's worrying. And I do think we need to bring the debate back into. What are we about? You know, what are our values? Uh, and then what do we do to implement those values, even if it isn't always popular? How do you think
2: Labour gets itself
1: out of this? Whole
0: part I think it'd be extremely difficult for them. To be honest, um, I, I, I know that there was a, a kind of a behind-the-scenes debate within Labour, and certainly Fianna Gael were very keen on uh, on the notion of Labour rejoining
2: coalition government
0: for uh, for this government. That would surely have been reasons. an electoral
2: disaster for Labour.
0: Well, a, a I'm further not sh-
2: electoral disaster. So going by Harry's Harry's equation, going back through the the gates of Marion Street again would have done for them completely sure. Yeah
0: but I think the disaster had already befallen Labour its challenges to rebuild and the question of whether that whether the question was whether that rebuilding could be uh, more effectively done in opposition are with the resources and the profile uh, of government. But in any event, that decision uh, has been uh, has been made. I think it will be extremely difficult for a couple of reasons. F- Labour has, th- this has happened to Labour before, of course it has, um, but not to this extent. It has been in government, uh, got a walloping in the election, come out and rebuilt and uh, and always bounced back. This time, it's different for a couple of reasons, I think. One is the fractured nature of uh, of our politics now. Um, the governments alternated between Fianna Fáil and Fine Gael and Labour. Now that won't necessarily be the default other position because our politics, as I say, has become so much more fractured. Being heard as a party of opposition is being is, is turning out to be very difficult as I thought it would. Is turning out to be very difficult for Labour because there it is no longer the case where there is simply themselves and Fine Gael in opposition, um, uh, as as was traditionally the case. And often Labour outshone Fine Gael uh, in opposition as they as Dick Spring did and as an Aiman Gilmore uh, it did. Whereas the opposition now Labour is behind Sinn Fein and Fall in terms of their size they're behind the uh the left wing parties the radical left wing parties in terms of their distinctiveness and uh, and their volume and i think that they're finding it very difficult to get a space in public debate that enables them to make the case for themselves and uh, i i think that was one of the things that enabled them to have come back before and i
1: think that probably is the present just make one now. point on that though i mean we're doing a podcast here, right? Communications is very different now than it was before. Um, the doll is isn't the be-all and end-all of everything. And you can you can work in other ways. Like, for example, they, we've an extra 400 members plus uh, a, a very large recruitment in the colleges through Labour Youth. Um, a lot of young people have joined the party just very, very recently. So um, they communicate in different ways, you know. So it's not, OK, our position in the doll uh, is what it is. Uh, and we have to find space to, to get our voices heard and have distinctive issues and so on. But there are other ways as well now. And um, certainly we see it as the rebuilding of Labour isn't just about us in the parliamentary party. It's about our councillors. It's about our members. It's about our, our Labour youth, Labour equality, who've been campaigning so strongly in, on repealing the Eighth Amendment. Um, so it, it's about the broader party. So not accepting just all the, that, the, the I think it's fair it. to
2: say the last thing Labour wants is an election in the last next 12 months. Would that be fair?
1: I don't think any. Anybody wants an election mm-hmm. in the next 12 months. Um, I don't think it'll change anything. We'll still end up with the same the, uh, do nothing, yeah. you know. Do, do the, uh, mix the Irish, of the the Irish in electorate government. are
3: actually more forgiving than many people think. They, they when Labour have, have definitely been put onto the thinking step, but the thinking step is always a, a kind of a temporary phenomenon, as we've seen with Fianna Fáil. Some people in 2011 were predicting that Fianna Fáil wouldn't exist into the future and Fianna Fáil have bounced back. They said the back. same about
2: Fine Gael in 2002. They, they do. Like, well, yeah. be,
3: people, pe, people, I mean, gave Labour a, a terrible kicking in the election, but Labour does have the potential to return. I think I'd accept Pat's point that in the more kind of fractured landscape, it will be, might be more difficult to uh, assert itself and to gain the, the status it might have had in the past. But I think in the next local elections, I think you you, you will expect Labour to make considerable gains. And there you have
2: it. Reports of their demise are greatly exaggerated. Thanks very much indeed to Janice Sullivan, Harry McGee and to Pat for joining us today. And that's it for this edition of Inside Politics. Thanks very much indeed for listening. Thanks to our producer Declan Conlon and our engineer JJ Vernon. Remember, you can find me on Twitter at HLinnehan or mail me at HLinnehan at irishtimes.com and I'm really interested to hear your correspondence, so do give us a shout and tell us what you think. Also, if you're a subscriber on iTunes, we'd be very... Grateful if you would rate us because it helps to get it out to a larger audience. But until the next time, from me, Hugh Linehan, goodbye and thanks very much indeed for listening.
1: Tired of ads barging into your favorite news podcasts? Good news ad free listening is available on Amazon Music for all the music plus top podcasts included with your Prime membership.